Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore tckpod and on Twitter at tck underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at tckpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. One more fucking time. Let's go. TCK Pod Candlestick Kids, episode 367. It is our last coaching changes episode. I am Dweez Nuts. You can ignore the first part of my name down there. I don't know who that asshole is. Uh, but next to me, Bobby Lamarco, as usual, to, to talk about the last couple of divisions and coaches. Are you sad to see this series go, my man? I'm been, I've been fighting back tears all day, to be honest with you. You know, right? You were late showing up to the damn thing. I figured you were probably cleaning it up. I was. Up makeup. I, was. I like it. Hey, if you're watching this live, guys, jump in the comments. Um, engage with us. Tell us how stupid my takes are and how brilliant Bobby Lamarco and all of his deep, deep, deep research um, is along with us as we go. If you're watching this after the fact, hit that subscribe button somewhere down there uh, here on YouTube. If you're listening to the podcast, subscribe, like subscribe everywhere. Hit the fucking bells everywhere. Like this shit. Share this shit. Do whatever you can. Hit every button you can find. Okay, you're not going to break us. Um, but you might make us feel a little better on a day that's that's super sad for us. Uh, Bobby and I have been doing this for a couple of weeks now. Every couple of days we jump on, talk about some new coaches. Like I said, this is our last go. We're going to hit the AFC South today. A uh, lot of change there. We're going to hit the AFC West today. Plenty of change there as well. These are two divisions that really got shaken up after the season. Um, you'll see beneath me and Bobby our Twitter hash or Twitter handles. I think they call them. Uh, go find us on Twitter. Hit us up if you want to want to find the podcast TCK underscore pod on Twitter. Fantasy football underscore TCK pod if you're on Instagram. Uh, hit the website TCKpod.com. Hit YouTube, our TCK Candlestick Kids channel. I don't know. Am I missing something? There's probably more places they can find us. What am I missing, Bobby? We've said enough. Let's just get started. God, we have said enough. It just feels like it drones on and on and on when I do these things. All right, let's get started. Let's jump into the AFC South. Hang on. There's a little banner for that somewhere. Here it is. Um, Big division. This is one of my favorite divisions in football over the last handful of years. Let's start with a team that, um, look, going into last season, they were a favorite as they've got Probably the best GM in the game right now. One of, if not the best head coaches in the game right now in Frank Reich. Um, It's the Indianapolis Colts. 
Frank Reich maintains his job as he should for a long time coming, but we've got a new offensive coordinator stepping in as Nick Sirianni was hired out elsewhere. It is Marcus Brady who served as the quarterback's coach for the last three years for this same Colts team. Before that, dude spent eight, nine, ten years in Canada. And before I let you jump in here, Bobby, I just want to say that it's really unfortunate that I have to say this, but Marcus Brady credits Mark Tressman, former Chicago Bears head coach, as a coaching mentor coming up north of the border that's I, you know I can't say anything more about him as soon as I saw that I was done I was off so tell the people what to expect from the Colts offense well I mean it's Carson Wentz right his infusion into this offense and how he's going to rebound from a down year in Philly um, I think the biggest thing is to they T.Y. Hilton is he coming back that's a big question mark Marlon Mack looks like he's on the way out meaning Jonathan Taylor is going to be the guy they've proven that they're willing to give one guy a heavy workload even though they have a guy like Naheem Hines that's sprinkled in in passing situation and has his moments, Jonathan Taylor is geared up, ready to go. And they did lose their left tackle, but this offensive line is still really strong, bringing back four or five starters. So you got to love that for Carson Wentz. I think the biggest thing for Wentz, though, is going to be the talent around him. He really struggled in Philly when he didn't have the talent. The offensive line was hurt, the receivers, you name it, they're hurt. Now, listen, you can say what you want, Jack Doyle and – and Mo Ali Cox and, you know, Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell, there's still a lot of unproven talent. Yes, we like Michael Pittman. He did show flashes, flashes last year, but he wasn't a game breaker. He wasn't like his rookie season was completely dominant. So there is still a lot of question marks for the skill positions on this offense. But you got to like Frank Wright's creativity. I know you brought up something, I think I was on the Philly podcast, that their religious connection and those kind of things sometimes just helps with the mental aspect of the game. So, I am looking forward to it, but I do want to see them add another player alongside Michael Pittman because I don't know if Jack Doyle and Mo Ali Cox are going to be good to 2A, 2B receivers behind a guy like Michael Pittman. Uh, well, let's not – I mean, I think Paris Campbell coming back is going to be a big part there. Right. Here's one thing that I did see about Marcus Brady specifically in my research that I thought was really interesting. So Frank Reich has, has this whole culture of like – it's very much collaborative, right? Between uh, Sirianni last year, even Brady as the quarterback's coach had a lot to do with this offense, game planning in and out, uh, week in and week out. And um, even, even you know, bugging in people's ears between quarters, between drives, what, what they think should happen. I guess one of the jobs that Marcus Brady was tasked with over the last few years is um, pass protection scheming. He designed a lot of the pass protections for this team over the last few years. And um, look, that offensive line and that pass protection it has been fantastic. So if he really does have a mind that can create those kinds of protections um, for his quarterbacks, maybe some good things, maybe some solid things. I don't think the offense changes very much, right? They kind of keep everybody um, in-house in order to, to make this happen. But look, we got a new quarterbacks coach as a result of him moving up, new running back coach, new offensive line coach, new offensive assistants. By the way, they brought in the passing game coordinator from Philadelphia last year to be an offensive assistant here. They're trying real hard to help Wentz out. But a lot of turnover at the positional, you know, quarter the positional coaching spots. Who knows how much that'll have to do with uh, with the offense. It is Frank Reich's offense. Uh, so it's probably going to be just as good uh, as it has been the last couple of years. So let's move on to a team then that has a total change, total turnover, right? We've had a few of these in the league this year. 
This is the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, they were a real, real fucking bad team last year, but people can't help but be excited about what's happening. One, because Trevor Lawrence is probably going to be drafted onto this team. Um, but two, because it's Urban Meyer who comes in here. Urban Meyer, who had an absolutely storied college career. Um, and, and I should start this off by saying, look, his first head coaching job was in uh, 2001, 2002 at Bowling Green State University. I happened to be a student at Bowling Green State University when he came to town and it was he, he it was the best years of my fucking life, okay? NCAA game ESPN game day comes to my campus. It that was 4 days without sleep. Um it was a great goddamn time. We were winning, we broke into the top 10 at one point and if not for Ben Roethlisberger, we would have busted the BCS that year. It was so fucking exciting. However, that said, uh, you know, he goes after that, he goes to Utah, he goes to Florida, big things, Ohio State, big things. But uh, all that said, I, I, I fear a little bit that he ends up going the way of like a Nick Saban, Steve Spurrier, Lou Holtz, great college coaches that win a lot. But I think he might end up flaming out in the NFL. I know that's not a popular opinion right now. Um, but my, my dad used to say this about Urban Meyer all the time. Every time he kept caught a game, he, 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 my dad, an old football coach from way back, just hated the way Urban Meyer coached because as he put it, he coached to win games at the expense of developing his players, preparing his players for the next level. And you know what, to my dad's credit holds up a little bit. Let's look at the quarterbacks that Urban Meyer coached, right? Great teams. Tons of wins, national championships. Um, how do his quarterbacks do when they step up into the NFL? Alex Smith is still around, sure. But how about Chris Leak, Tim Tebow, John Brantley, Braxton Miller, JT Barrett, Cardale Jones, Dwayne Haskins. You know any of those names still in the NFL? Haskins is a stealer now. Um, but that team is so so desperate not to put him on the field that they signed a 96-year-old Ben Roethlisberger. At the running back position, Chris Rainey and Mike Gillisley ran the ball in Florida for him. Of course, when he gets to Ohio State, Carlos Hyde, Ezekiel Elliott, J.K. Dobbins, different story. Um, but I don't know that this guy has the chops to make it with NFL players, coaching NFL players to succeed in the NFL. I hope he proves me wrong. Um, but I, you know, I'm just not really sure he will. He's a very, very, very creative offensive mind, um, does a lot of things, uh, you know, very, very, very differently. In fact, he is in somewhat a big part responsible for the uh, emergence of the mobile quarterback first in college and even in the NFL. A lot of what we see with these mobile quarterbacks come from guys like Urban Meyer um, succeeding so greatly at the college level doing it. So, you know, the only thing I can tell you to expect from the offense with Urban Meyer at the helm is uh, Trevor Lawrence going to run the ball. OK, he's going to fucking or whoever it is. Right. Going to fucking run the ball a lot. Outside of that, we could you, we don't know what to expect. Maybe you can help us out here. New offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevel. You th what is Daryl Bevel going to bring to the insane creative innovation that Urban Meyer is going to bring? How are these guys going to balance each other out? Um, to put it on NFL offense on the field every year, week. What do we expect? Well, I will say this: his wide receivers have produced in the NFL. I mean, Michael Thomas, Curtis Samuel. You know, we just talked about Paris Campbell. He can't really stay healthy, but he showed yeah. flashes. So, and the type of receivers that dominated Urban Meyer's system are those yards after the catch. Even KJ Hill, Harvin. Come on, yeah, per, yeah, Percy Harvin, Terry McLaurin. 
Um, the only thing I will say is that when I was looking at this from a Daryl Bevel perspective, Daryl Bevel has just an insane amount of experience as an offensive coordinator. So his Viking years, I mean, listen, Brett Favre, remember when he came back and he had those couple of years, he blew up that one season under Daryl Bevel. But the thing I noticed about Daryl Bevel, he's willing to take shots. Matthew Stafford, the last two seasons, has been towards the top in deep, uh, deep passes of 20 yards or more downfield. And Kenny Galladay, Sidney Rice, these kind of guys have excelled in this kind of offense, which you would say, all right, that's good news for a guy like DJ Chark. I think a lot of people are excited about LaVisca Chenault because of Urban Meyer, but I do think there's a role for a guy like DJ Chark in this offense. That being said, Darryl Bevel had experience working with guys like Doug Baldwin and Percy Harvin, smaller interior receivers, guys that worked after the catch, had some good seasons under Darryl Bevel. So I do think there's a lot of opportunities here um, for uh, for the guys that are currently on the roster, especially when you infuse Trevor Lawrence into this offense. Now, another great thing about Daryl Bevel, his commitment to the run. He has been one of those guys where he's had Marshawn Lynch and Adrian Peterson, Chester Taylor, 300 carry seasons under him. Even last year, I mean, yes, in 2018, for example, or 2019, for example, Kerryon Johnson, they tried to, to actually feature him and then he got hurt. Um, we, we've already talked how we feel about carry on, but last year we saw it down the stretch that De- Deandre Swift started getting more work. Maybe Daryl Bevel hung out to the Adrian Peterson stuff a little too long from his, uh, days back in Minnesota, but at the same time, he does commit to the ground game. Running backs have consistently flirted with nearly 300 carries in a season constantly in this offense. So there is James Robinson, for example, if he becomes the main back, that's something we could definitely look at. And then finally the tight end position. So, we just saw T.J. Hawkinson have a top-five fantasy season. Jimmy Graham had pretty productive seasons in Seattle under Daryl Bevel. Even Vasante Shanko had 10 touchdowns yes. in a season with Daryl Bevel. So there is a, I think there's a lot of room for optimism here, but I do like the fact that they will feature the guys, their best players. So I think Chenault's going to have a very significant role, and I do think D.J. Chark, even though he's not your typical Urban Meyer receiver, I think he fits that Kenny G, Sidney Rice deep threat role in this offense with Daryl Bevel. Uh, so I do, I know you like to to bring up connections and why guys might've got hired. Uh, so I did, I was curious how Daryl Bevel ends up on an Urban Meyer team. There is a small connection. Um, Urban Meyer's protege at Ohio State, Ryan Day, who takes over after him, uh, coached under Daryl Bevel years and years and years ago. And, and reportedly, um, there were several phone conversations between Ryan Day and Urban Meyer leading up to the Daryl Bevel hire. Um, so they like it. I have one other guess as to why he ends up here. Uh, and, and that is... I think I think what Urban Meyer wants to do is emulate Russell Wilson's style of play yep. for Trevor Lawrence. Um, you know, he also went out and hired Brian Schottenheimer as the pass game coordinator. So that's two the two previous offensive coordinators with Russell mm-hmm. Wilson. I think that tips his hat a little bit to how he wants to try to use whether it's Lawrence or, you know, a lot of people are saying maybe it's even Justin Fields, his own the guy he went out and recruited. So who knows? Yeah. Right. Who fucking knows? Yeah. But. I think he wants to emulate maybe a little bit of what Russell Wilson does. Might tip his hat and say this could be an offense that looks a little bit like the Seattle Seahawks have in the past. Um, maybe Joe Cullen, defensive coordinator here, coached some amazing defensive lines at Baltimore, Tampa Bay, even Cleveland years and years ago before um, a couple of decades doing it in college. So, you know, we'll see if he can make that defense 
anything like it was three years ago. Probably not. They're either going to be working from the front end back rather than the back end front. They lost a lot of weapons there, but that's defense. Nobody really gives a shit about the defense. Let's move on to another team with some coaching changes and, you know, maybe not, maybe not the new head coach in town that Deshaun Watson wants, but the Houston Texans go out and hire David Culley, you know, longtime wide receiver coach in the NFL uh, going back to 1979 is when this guy started fucking coaches, coaching receivers in the NFL caught, uh, coached Buffalo quarterbacks in 2017, 18, Pass game coordinator back to the wide receivers over the last few years. Um, I don't think this is – if you just look at things like player development under him as as a uh, positional coach, you got guys like Tyrod Taylor, Nathan Peterman. You remember how bad he was? Uh, not so great. You got the young receivers in Baltimore over the last couple of years. Look, Miles Boykin is, has flamed out. There were expectations for Boykin. He didn't meet. Yeah, he got hurt early. Even Hollywood Brown hasn't really been able to do a whole lot in this pass game. And uh, look, David Culley was responsible for the pass game in Baltimore over the last two years. So that's troubling to me. Uh, we got other wide receivers that played under him as wide receiver coach, guys like Jeremy Macklin, Dwayne Bowe, Jason Avant. These are guys that flamed out pretty hard, too. Expectations were high. Remember how big that contract David Bowe got was, or Dwayne Bowe got was um, in Kansas City? Didn't really work out. He also coached guys like T.O. and, and D-Jax. He, he had Heinz Ward and Tyreek in their rookie season, so uh, maybe some love there. He's the new head coach. Uh, what, what do you know about David Culley? What do you think he's going to do? You know, they retained Tim Kelly, offensive right. coordinator, been there a little while. Uh, and and before I let you go, I should just say, like, I don't think Tim Kelly's a great offensive coordinator either. Last year, fourth Fourth in passing, 31st in rushing, even though they were paying $10.5 million to David Johnson. Could have been a productive year for him, but it wasn't in large – maybe because of the schedule. But you put Tim Kelly with a David Culley. What are your expectations? Um, what positions might thrive here under these two guys? Well, I think the first thing they tried to do was retain continuity for Deshaun Watson. So they he comes in, and I think a lot of times – you know, we saw this with Anthony Lynn, for example. He came over to the Chargers and he kept he retained the head, uh, the OC and the DC. And sometimes guys do that because they say if it's working, like Deshaun Watson, for what it's worth, yes, they did not run the football last year. They abandoned the run constantly, but at the same time, Deshaun Watson was balling out. Even when Full Will Fuller left, he was balling out. I mean, Brandon Cooks had a resurgence on in this offense, you know, and I think they were they're building on something there, and I think that's why Tim Kelly was retained. That being said, I, I, a lot of the stuff coming out now, it sounds like Deshaun Watts is on his way out. Even uh, Cully in his most recent interview was kind of talking vaguely about the change in his, uh, the team right now is on his current team. He's my quarterback right now, like emphasizing now. It's just weird. So I think Deshaun Watson's out the door. Um, from, a, from a game plan perspective, the one thing I did notice in Houston especially is that they do not feature running backs in the passing game even when they had guys where they actually should be featured, like Duke and David Johnson. Um, David Johnson did not see the amount of targets he should have. They were just used to with, like, Bruce Arians. And there's been more of an emphasis on vertical, deep outside threats, like Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, even DeAndre Hopkins on the outside. Wide receivers truly do dominate this offense. But they've had a rotation at tight end. I mean, that's the thing about these offenses. It's There's a lot of tight end targets going around to Darren Fells and Jordan Aikens but they're constantly splitting the work, right? So in these kind of offenses, I will say this, 
it doesn't look like on the surface that tight ends are featured, but they actually really are. And I think if there is any clarity, if somebody leaves, actually I'm trying to look now, doesn't look like either of those guys are leaving this year anyway. So it looks like it's going to continue to be kind of a log jam. Is Will Fuller going to return? Um, I think if they let Deshaun Watson go, I don't see any real reason for them to bring back Will Fuller. They might also hit the reset button with a younger quarterback or whatever they do with that position. But overall, I do think that Brandon Cooks, if let's say, for example, hypothetically speaking, if Watson's back, Will Fuller leaves, I think Brandon Cooks easily could be a top 24 wide receiver in this offense. Yeah, they're going to pass the ball probably um, a lot. I, I I like Cooks, or I like that Cooks call. I don't think Fuller's going to come back anyway. I think Fuller wants an opportunity to do something different. And look, whether Watson leaves or not, the team keeps saying they are preparing uh, to sit him for a season, for a whole – there's almost – there's no chance, right? No, there's no chance. But they're saying it. I am concerned about the run game, like David Johnson, who they signed back at a much, much discounted price – you don't need to worry about drafting David. He was he was good last year, even with the, the limited work, but I don't think you need to worry about him. Well, they just signed Mark Ingram, too. Did so they I, sign Mark Ingram? Uh-huh. They signed Mark Ingram. So Mark Ingram is now going to be on that team. I don't know what his role is going to be. I mean, Forget last year they faced – You don't want either of them. You don't want yeah, to exactly. Exactly. I think that makes it very difficult to trust David Johnson, even in the fourth, fifth round this year. Clears things up nicely for me. That's why you're here. You know <laughs> fucking everything. Let's move on then. We're going to go to the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Mike Vrabel keeps his job, right? Because his team has been badass for the last couple of years, but he loses both of his coordinators. And it, his hires tell me that he agrees with you that continuity is fucking important because – you know, it's it's Todd Downing gets the promotion to offensive coordinator. Shane Bowen, um, outside linebackers coach, gets the promotion to defensive coordinator. Um, look, Todd Downing has done a lot of things over the years. Been in the coach, been in the league for since 2012. A lot of coaches, uh, a quarterback coaching positions. He was an OC for one year, and that's kind of sort of what I leaned on when I was doing my research because mm-hmm. he called the plays for the Oakland Raiders in 2017. Um, a year that Derek Carr made the Pro Bowl. By the way, Derek Carr made the Pro Bowl three times, and at all three times, Todd Downing was his either positional or offensive coordinator coach, and he has never made the Pro Bowl without Todd Downing. That said, nothing stands out to me in the Todd Downing Raiders uh, led or Todd Downing led Raiders offense. They were 16th in passing that year, 25th in rushing, 23rd in scoring, 21st in scoring efficiency, 28 in turnovers. 12th and third down efficiency. They were seventh in red down red zone efficiency. So maybe that um, I'm not, I'm not overly excited about this hire, but this offense is already great. And I see very little changing in, in scheme. Um, so, so it's still a full go for me with those Titans. Do you agree or do, am I an idiot? You're not an idiot. I'll tell you that. Thank right you. Now. But, but I will say this, um, Todd Downing, they actually got rid of – they were actually kind of growing. You just talked on back-to-back season. Derek Carr hit the Pro Bowl. And then they let go of Bill Musgrave because Jack Del Rio at the time was worried that Todd Downing was going to get an OC job. So they actually got rid of Bill Musgrave. It was working, but they got rid of him anyway so they could promote this kid. And it didn't work out. The numbers truly show it didn't work out, and I totally get that. But when I was actually looking at this deeper, there was a lot of Derek Carr missed the game. Uh, two multiple games were missed by Cooper and Crabtree, and there was a couple things. So there was 11 games that I actually looked at where everybody was healthy, and I wanted to see what it looked like when all the guys were on the field. And when I actually looked at that, there was some things that were slightly alarming to me that 
you know, I think that could cause a little bit of a problem. Now, I totally get it. If it's not broke, don't fix it. But last year, the Titans were number one in the NFL in play action pass percentage. Under Todd Downing, the Raiders were third last in play action mm-hmm. pass percentage. That's a little alarming to me. It just shows, yes, maybe it's not going to be a complete 180, but it could start leaning a little away from the things that are working now. So that's one thing I caught. The other thing was that he did have uh, – Derek Carr had his most uh, deep passes in a season in, in the sense of percentage of passes down the field. So he does t- attack downfield, even for Derek Carr, who's never been over 12% in his career, actually got over 12%. And in those 11 games, at 12.6, which is pretty good for him, featuring guys like Amari Cooper down the field. They also are very pass-heavy in the red zone, which is another thing I was looking at too, which could be a sign. I know it's Derrick Henry. When you get down there, you run. But it was very notable because they had Marshawn Lynch, and Lynch was a, a still a beast. He was still averaging over four yards per carry. You know, He was still featured pretty much on that offense, and they still went away from him even when he was healthy on the field. They actually threw the ball at the 26th lowest – I mean the high – the sixth highest clip in the NFL percentage-wise in the red zone. So that's just something I thought was really interesting. They're throwing a lot, which means Tannehill maybe could have a slight little bump in his touchdowns if they throw a little bit more in the red zone. And then the final thing I I will touch on too is the tight ends. So Jared Cook actually was on the team at the time, and he was featured on that team. So he was seventh in uh, end zone uh, red zone targets that season. 13th in end zone targets and 8th in overall targets. So there was a serious role for tight ends. And with John Smith going out the door, I know it's not a real sexy name, but Anthony Ferksner showed some flashes a little bit when <laughs> John Smith was out. So, Anthony Ferksner. Come I know. On. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I blacked out. Forget I said it. But I'm just saying, it's just <laughs> that was notable because Marshawn Lynch, they did not feature running backs on that team. When Downing was so, it was pretty much Cooper, Crabtree, and then Cook. So that could be something we see. But another thing, sorry, last point, apologize, one more. <laughs> Cooper, and, Cooper and Crabtree kind of flipped roles, right? So Cooper was like the deep threat, the guy he did get the most targets. But when they got to the red zone, it was Crabtree. Now, if you combine those two, you can get A.J. Brown. So <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, it got me a little upset because who's going to be the guy that if Corey Davis leaves in free agency – you know, A.J. Brown could take more of a featured role in this offense, especially with all those targets gone. When I was looking at, he could be the best of both worlds. He could be Cooper in the deep passing game. He could be Crabtree in the red zone. And we're talking about serious fantasy gold there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you can capitalize, because that Michael Crabtree year was fantastic, man. I had him everywhere I could get him, and it, and it worked out. It worked out real nicely. Um, all right, so that is the AFC South for you before we move on to the AFC West. Let me throw you up the Jersey jungle. Uh, look, they pay some of our bills, so we get to talk about them a little bit here, right? On Instagram, you hit these guys up a DM at the Jersey jungle. Let them know that the guys over here at TCK Sencha use that TCK coupon code. You see the deals below. Um, these guys make beautiful jerseys at half the regular price without even using the discount codes. Uh, most places they'll make you custom jerseys they do the nfl jerseys they also do jerseys for every other sport you can imagine um if you won your fantasy league go get a a a custom jersey with your team name on the back 69 across the front or whatever you want to do um if if you know you're all about draft season and you're begging your team to go out and get that one guy that you love 
Maybe go get that jersey. Go get the the Jacksonville Jaguars Trevor Lawrence jersey to to wish it into existence. I don't know. Do whatever you want, okay? Throw the thing out or burn it when it when they don't draft your guy because it only costs you a handful of dollars here at the Jersey Jungle. So, again, get at these guys on Instagram. That's the best way to do it. Send them a DM. They will have a conversation with you about what you want to make sure you get it right. That is service. Use our code. Get a deal. All right, that's out of the way, is it? There it is. That's out of the way. Let's not, I mean, like, not that I want to get it out of the way, right? Like, they make beautiful jerseys, and jerseys are fucking sweet, but. Nice recovery, nice recovery. We, we got to talk about the AFC West here. The Denver Broncos are going to be our first team. No new coaches. Vic Fangio going into his third season here. Pat Shermer, his second season um, on the team as OC, Ed Donatel stays there as defensive coordinator. Um, you know, Pat Shermer's a, when I think of offensive coordinators that I want on my team, Pat Shermer speaks to me and speaks to me as a fantasy owner too, because there are good weapons on Pat Shermer teams. What do you like uh, from this offense, expect from this offense? Maybe they kind of settle things down a little bit with some of their injuries, their quarterback situation sort of figures itself out. What do you think uh, we should uh, expect to see from Denver this season. Well, this is kind of one of those teams I target the second year leap. I love that, and I, I, I'm a I'm as a Giants fan. I was a big fan of Pat Shermer. I like what he did with guys like Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley, even Daniel Jones in his rookie season. Now, the only thing holding back this offense is Drew Locke. It lives and dies by his growth this off season because they're actually getting reinforcements. Uh, in the offseason without making any free agent splashes. So Cortland Sutton, everyone forgets, that guy was an emerging true number one wide receiver who's going to be coming back from injury. They also had their uh, their free agent, uh, main free agent right tackle, J. Warren James, who opted out because of COVID coming back. So now you got two really good starters coming into that offense. And now you have Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, K.J. Hamler, Tim Patrick, Noah Fant, all on that offense with uh, Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon. I mean, that's that's a loaded offense with a very experienced play caller. So I think the biggest thing that in the back of my mind is, do they bring in a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick, who you know will set a benchmark for Drew Locke? Like, Locke, you got to play at least at league average to get on this field. That's what I want to see because this offense could really take off in the second season. And the thing with Locke is I'm not 100% sure how I feel about him just yet. He just seems like he's a big arm, not a lot of touch and accuracy. But at the same time, like with all those weapons and a solid offensive line, it's like maybe he could be okay. But it's going to be tough to rely on Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and all of them to consistently be fantasy assets if because they're all talented. And if you don't have a guy who could promote that many pass catchers in an offense, they're all going to probably not hit their ADPs. So I think I'm a little concerned from that perspective. But if you infuse Ryan Fitzpatrick, oh, I'm buying. I'm, I might just go to the clearance route. I'm just taking them off. Like, I don't care. You know? And you got to go from get a Fitzpatrick Broncos jersey from the jungle, folks, aren't you? I'm going to – exactly. I'm going to Jersey Jungle. Every Fitzpatrick jersey. Every team he's been on. That's like two, wow, three dollars. that's too many jerseys. Baby. Know, that's too many. Yeah. No, no, I'll get like 100% discount for that. But anyway – I think the other thing, though, is like I know Phil Lindsay is a restricted free agent. It doesn't seem like he's going anywhere. But it did start seeming like a little bit they were starting to feature Melvin Gordon a little bit more. He offers a little bit more in the passing game. I think the running back position, I think overall, unless there's a huge change in the quarterback position, it's going to be really tough to trust these guys at their ADPs. 
You know what? Uh, the one thing you said really, really struck home for me, and it's just that there are so many weapons on this team. Um, overwhelming for a young quarterback. He will, if he's going to succeed, he's going to have to pick out a favorite target or two, and we mm -hmm. just don't know who that's going to be. Right. You know, uh, Cortland Sutton seems like he's coming from behind just because he doesn't. He had, he missed a whole year, but a lot of these guys spent some time hurt. So we'll, you know, that offseason might give us a, a a little indication of who Locke might like if Locke is the quarterback. But it's hard thinking now or even in an early fantasy draft season, which one of these guys you want to take unless you can get them super late. You just don't know you're rolling the dice and uh, rolling the dice can, can be tricky. All right, let's move off of uh, who, who's up next here. We got the LA Chargers. I think we got the LA Chargers next. I don't, I don't know. I lost my spot in, in my notes over here. Um, L.A. Chargers got a couple of new coaches on the offensive side of the ball. Well, not really on the offensive side of the ball. Brandon Staley, who played quarterback, is a defensive coach somehow. Spent, uh, you know, 17, 18 with the Bears coaching linebackers. Moved over to the Denver Broncos, coached the linebackers there. Um, defensive coordinator for those L.A. Rams last year. Just goes, goes to the other side of town here <coughs> to coach – Head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers here in 2021. I need a drink. <laughs> take, take a moment. Tell them something about Brandon. <laughs> I got you. I got you. I think the biggest thing for me is Joe Lombardi coming in as the OC uh, for this offense. He's been on the Saints staff under Sean Payton forever yeah. uh, since like 2009. And the one thing I will say, though, is he did make a stop as an OC for two seasons with Detroit. And he tried to fit a square peg into a round hole. And what I mean by that is he had Matthew Stafford and Calvin Johnson, and he tried to turn Matthew Stafford into this quick-hitting, short-pass-throwing quarterback. His deep passing rate was one of the worst in his career on a percentage basis, and it was very shocking because I'm like, I thought when he's coming in, you got this Sean Payton offensive mind, very creative. But that's why he flamed out. That's why he got fired midway through the second season because – he was not utilizing Matthew Stafford the way you should use Matthew Stafford. He was not using Calvin Johnson as the way you should use Calvin Johnson. His offenses are more geared toward guys like Golden Tate, who he tried to feature a little bit more. The good news is he has the pieces to fit perfectly into what he wants to do, except the quarterback. Justin Herbert does not seem like the quarterback that is going to be that dink and dunk, you know, quick-hitting quarterback. Maybe he can be. He did show some good connection with Austin Eckler this past season, but that's the type of offense that Joe Lombardi wants to run. He has Keenan Allen to fit the Michael Thomas role, Austin Eckler to fit the Alvin Kamara role. And that I'm not saying it cannot work. Justin Herbert just doesn't seem like the type of quarterback. He like the things he was doing with like Mike Williams and Jalen Guyton in the deep passing game. That's where he flourishes. I know if Sky's listening, I love Justin Herbert. Sky, relax. Not saying anything <laughs> no, bad. Man. <laughs> He's the man. He's the man. But that's what worries me is that I'm, I'm hoping that he develops an offense this time around that fits Justin Herbert's strengths. However, the good news is guys like Keenan Allen easily could fit right into that Michael Thomas role. I love this fit for Michael Thomas. I mean, uh, for Keenan Allen, I love this fit for Austin Eckler. He has that perfect blend of the Alvin Kamara role in this offense. And actually, one of the craziest stats I saw in 2014 when he was OC for the Lions, he had three running backs with 50 targets in a season. Three different running backs. That's unheard of. The following season, Theo Riddick had 98 targets. So that tells me Austin Eckler is going to have a featured role in the passing game, which is great. 
And also the tight ends do have a role in this offense as well. We saw guys like Jimmy Graham really flourish in the Saints. Eric, They actually drafted Eric Ebron to kind of take over that role in the offense early in his career with Joe Lombardi before Lombardi got left go. And then finally, Jared Cook in New Orleans most recently did have some tight end one season. So I do think Donald Parham, who right now is the tight end one of that offense, you, could be a sleeper. Fucking names, man. <laughs> Don't draft Donald Parham. Jesus yes. Christ. Hey, did you know? Did you know that Joe Lombardi coached Brandon Staley at Mercyhurst University in 2005? He was his OC and his quarterbacks coach. That's why he got the job here because he knows him from way back. Uh, yeah, you hit a, you hit a couple things right on the head, right? Like they, he his offense is, is is all pass. I mean, 62% of his plays in his first OC season passes, 70% in his second season in Detroit were passes, and 30%, 30 plus, I think it's 30.6 or something percent of all of his offensive passes went to the running backs in Detroit. And you, you know who he had at wide receiver. Pretty much um, this is an absolute full fucking send on Austin Eckler. He's not going to do shit in the running game. They're not going to run the ball at all on this team. It won't surprise me if Justin Herbert throws it 650 fucking times. Keenan Allen might have 160 targets. Austin Eckler might have 120 targets. And that might be the entirety of the team here, right? Like that is not out of the out of the realm of possible on this team, which which says they may struggle to win games. But they, they will help you win fantasy matchups like crazy if you go buy these pieces. I think it's a good fit. Ronaldo Hill is the defensive coordinator there. I don't know a goddamn thing about Ronaldo Hill. So let's move off of that team onto another team with uh, no coaching changes. Now, this one, you know, is so shocking to me, right? Andy Reid, obviously, still Andy Reid. But how the fuck is Eric Bieniemy still in Kansas City. You know what I think? I think, and tell me what you think about this. I think they should consider a rule change where there cannot be any coaching interviews until the playoffs are over because that's a big part of it, right? Um, it yeah. happened with, It happened with Robert Sala last year uh, when, when he was defensive coordinator for the, the 49ers making their run to the Super Bowl. Um, these guys, you know, most of the positions are taken by the time they can even interview unless they want to interview during the playoffs, which is a character flaw right there so i think they should change that rule give guys like this an opportunity do you like that change or do you like that you know he's gets to stick around i know you like the continuity of it <laughs> i do love the continuity um i i agree i think the thing is that drives me crazy is that's kind of a resume like you're bringing an offense to the super bowl that should be building your resume. You should want to wait for that guy. He's only done it back-to-back -back years. Um, we've seen the history of Andy Reid's disciples. They've all been pretty good for the most part. Matt Nagy, sure he's still out, but he's guy. Well, yeah, look, he had a great season. <laughs> One yeah. great fucking season. Yeah, so I agree. I think, I mean, I don't know about the weighting of the rule, but at the same time, like, I just don't get it from a from an organizational standpoint. A guy who's been a Super Bowl, Super Bowl champion, developed guys like Patrick Mahomes, like I want to, I would like to miss with that kind of guy if he's not going to work out. I think it's, I, I think for those other teams, it's like, a, hey, we got a guy that we like. We don't want to risk waiting because we might right. lose him and not get the enemy. So um, there's something in there. But yes, the enemy comes back. This offense should be exactly what this offense has been over the last couple of years, which is nothing short of miraculous um, on the field and on your uh, fantasy screen there. All right, look, it's our last team here. It's the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, 
Gus Bradley is coming in as defensive coordinator. That's a change. But otherwise, it's John Gruden and it's Greg Olson. I want to say this about Greg Olson. I think Greg Olson is one of the worst offensive coordinators over the history of this league that he just that, that keeps getting hired and, and he's had jobs forever. But if you look at his 13 years as an offensive coordinator, including the last few years uh, with the Raiders, his offenses average 20th best in offensive yards and 22nd best in points. And there are very few outliers in either of those. Um, so why does he still have a job? I don't know. He sucks Gruden's dick real good or something, but um, <laughs> it's, it's garbage. And this team and this offense and the good players on this team, this team has some solid players that have a lot of potential. Josh Jacobs is one. Darren Waller is going to continue to be Darren Waller. Um, some young receivers, even Derek Carr himself, they are never going to get much better. They're never going to be able to develop on this offense because it's not a good offense. And it's because of this offensive coordinator. Interesting. I, I mean, listen, I think Gruden kind of runs the show there. I don't think it's really. He sucks ass too, man. I mean, uh, listen, I, I can tell you from what I've seen though, from the last couple of years is that they've kind of, they gutted once they let it go of Mari Cooper, they gutted their receiving core Crabtree left and there was like a solid two-year period where they didn't have anybody on the outside. And then, of course, Cook had a decent year and then Darren Waller last year. I mean, I'm sorry, but Derek Carr is not the, a generational quarterback who's going to elevate a bunch of talent. But then that being said, Nelson Aguilar had a career with him. So he, when you give him some type of talent, he has shown that he can win football games. I mean, Darren Waller was a nobody for the longest time. He comes to this offense and he flourishes with Derek Carr. Now, my thing is, though, is Henry Ruggs going to take the next step? Is Brian Edwards going to be able to stay healthy and get on the field? Um, that's what's going to have to take this. It's going to have to be the skill position players that take this team to the next level. It's not going to be Derek Carr. He's kind of plateaued as a quarterback. He needs players around him to take the next step. He's not going to do it on his own. So I think it's going to ride on Henry Ruggs if we're hearing reports that he's healthy, looking good. If Edwards is on the outside, those two guys on the outside – with Aguilar on the slot with Darren Waller. Now we're talking a little bit with some potential talent to take the next step. The problem is, though, they just gutted their offensive line. I mean, Gabe Jackson's gone. Richie Incognito, they let go. They just traded Trent Brown. That stuff worries me. And the same thing with Kansas City. I know we kind of jumped over them, too. But they, they let go of two linemen. They just lost their center as well because they have their money elsewhere. So that stuff is stuff we have to be aware of because we just saw it two years ago. Remember Sean McVay, the greatest offensive line in football? Well, you don't give him an offensive line. That offense went to went to shit. And honestly, I'm I'm not – that's stuff we have to be aware of because you take away talent from that offensive line, Derek Carr is not going to compensate for a bad offensive line. So if they don't make moves to you know either bring those guys back at lower costs, those are things you definitely have to monitor this offseason because it would make a huge impact. Um, so I think you were wrong about one thing and right about another thing. I, th I think you're wrong about Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr, if he if he would just be unleashed from this offense, which like he, Greg Olson's schemes are so fucking basic that you and I could go out there and call a defense to shut him down. Um, it limits Derek Carr's options on the field. It limits Derek Carr's read progressions. It's just not a good offensive scheme. And I I think I think given a better system, Derek Carr could be could be explosive and and he's also missing the pieces. I actually think I like Brian Edwards a little bit better than Henry Ruggs if you're going to take a dynasty shot. I think over the long term Brian Edwards offers just offers a little more 
Um, it's not going to happen for either of them this year because the offensive scheme says throw it to Darren Waller, hand it off to Josh Jacobs, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, but, but you are very right about the offensive line thing, and this goes for everywhere, right? Like I'll tell you all day, the the coaches on a team are, are the most important thing to pay attention to in the offseason for fantasy football purposes, schemes that coaches plan to run. The second most important thing is the offensive line. I don't care how talented you are. Uh, I guess Dak Prescott kind of tried to prove us wrong last year a little bit in Dallas as they lost all their pieces. But I don't care how talented you are if if people aren't blocking for you in front of you, yeah. like nothing's going to work. Um, so certainly pay attention to those lines. Um, watch watch what these coaches are going to be uh, putting together on their teams come training camp. If we get a preseason this year, watch some of that. Uh, know what schemes are coming to these teams and you will have a better idea of where you can find value, where you can snipe some of your other fantasy managers in your league uh, and, and get the guys that nobody else saw coming uh, because you know that's a guy that's going to be featured there. That's it for our Coaching Changes series. Um, I don't know. I think next week it's mostly going to be Sky and Lucas diving into free agency. Yeah. Free agency opens on Monday, if I, if I remember correctly, which is so exciting. You and I talked oh, yeah. last week. Or, or earlier this week, how exciting it was just to see the franchise tags. I know, right? Man. Next week is a beautiful week. Um, after that, I think we're going to hit rookies here for you guys on the TCK pod and get you ready for the draft. Over the next month or so, man, teams are going to come together. And, and these coaching staffs that we just ran through over the last couple of weeks, they're going to put their rosters and their depth charts together, and they're going to start to be able to actually plan some football all good stuff. All very exciting. What are you looking forward to most from here on out in the off season? Uh, it's got to be where players fall. I mean, that's obviously the next thing. I actually, I can't even think too far ahead. I'm just like ready to go. Where is the KG going? Exactly. Where? I'm just, yeah. <laughs> I just want to know. Else. Nothing else. Don't care. I mean, honestly, because it could. It's just exciting to. Um, I mean, we're always wrong, right? I feel like like two years ago, I put together like five players where they project, and I was wrong on every one, right? It just does, never works out that way. But at the same time, it's just fun just to, you know, think of the new opportunities and see what guys can do in new places. And it just makes fantasy football fun. But don't forget, continuity matters, everyone. Matters. So just remember second that. Year, <laughs> guys, second Absolutely. year system bumps. All right, before we go, tell the people where they can find your written stuff beyond just what we do here because you're all over the place, man. Yeah, uh, expandtheboxcore.com. I also write for football.rasball.com. And we also have a – during the season, I write for Draft Sharks, which is a daily, a weekly article about just game previews and writing about what happened in those games. Fuck's sake, you're busy, man. All right, guys, that is it. TCK Pod episode 367, Coaching Change Series finished. Jump back on next week uh, to, to see what Sky and Lucas have for you. Hit the subscribe and the bell buttons, and you don't have to worry about it. Um, Dewey's not here. Bobby's over there, over there, and uh, we're done. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. 
They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.